What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rants and Revelations with me, your boy, Alex Rudinger. Uh, it is currently uh, just after 1.45 in the morning because I'm a crazy person that keeps weird hours, and it is technically November 3rd. I personally don't ever consider the day to be over until I actually go to sleep, but technically speaking, we are here on the 3rd of November 2020. That is a big day, guys. It is Election Day in the United States of America, and let me tell you, I for one am terrified. And by that, I, I guess what I actually mean is I'm not terrified, but I'm just... Uh, it's a wild time, you know? No matter what happens in the coming days, at least half the country is going to be real not stoked. So uh, that should be interesting. I've been seeing on the news, you know, small businesses all over the country are like boarding up windows and shit, getting ready for potential chaos. It's fucking crazy, y'all. Like, I don't know what the hell is about to happen, you know? I talk to some people, and they're like, oh, whatever, who cares? And then I talk to other people that are, like, freaking out, and I'm just over here like, shit, y'all, I don't know, what the hell? Uh, who knows? I'm just gonna, you know, hope for the best, and... Man, you know, I could go down a long rant of how much I do not want Donald Trump to be our president anymore, and I... I pray to a God that I don't believe in because I am not religious, but I still pray to him nonetheless that uh, he gets voted out. And, you know, I I get that even in my last podcast, I talked about how, you know, I, it's probably not wise for me to talk openly about politics, but shit, it's pretty crazy, the things that that dude says. And I just don't really like him. That said... You know, if he gets reelected, I just hope for the best. And, uh, you know, I voted. I did what I could. And I encouraged people around me and people that I know to vote. And hopefully, you know, we get the lesser of the evils and shit gets better, you know, um, in this country. So, yeah, what a crazy ass time. I swear to God. But enough of that. At any rate, um, what else has been going on? I, uh, I got some some very nice uh, emails about this podcast uh, after mentioning it in my last one. And since putting this out, uh, or recently, I guess in the last week, I made all of these available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So uh, they will be available there. They are currently available there. Um, I couldn't tell you how to find them. I guess if you just type in my name, Alex Frudinger, or Rants and Revelations, either one should pull them up. Uh, but they are on there, and I will be continuing to upload them there as well. Um, but I got a couple messages that got me thinking. Let me pull up. I'm sitting at my desk. Let's see. All right, here's an email I got uh, from Alex Kennedy. Shout out to you, bro. Uh, hey, man, love the podcast and really enjoy hearing your thoughts and opinions on things. Also love the basketball talk. Mad respect, dude, because... God damn, do I love basketball. Uh, I also wanted to thank you for how vocal you've been about mental health and self-care. It's helped me a lot in the last few months uh, with just coming to grips on what I need to do to help myself feel better, not to inflate your ego too much. Haha. <laughs> Don't worry, dude. I, uh, I live in a weird world in between, <laughs> like some days feeling like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm all right. And then other days just like feeling like, oh my God. 
I'm terrible. I hate everything about uh, myself and not really, but like mostly when it comes to drums, I know that sounds probably crazy to you guys, but, and to be honest, I, I feel like a lot of the most talented, hardworking musicians I know feel this way where they like essentially, you know, I, I would watch them and think like, God damn, they're incredible. And then they are like, Oh man, I suck, you know? And, I think that's just something that comes along with it. I don't know, like being really self-critical, but I'm really hard on myself. And uh, so, yeah, you're not inflating my ego in any capacity uh, when it comes to music or otherwise, but I appreciate your kind words there, buddy, uh, very much, truly. Also, Alex Kennedy, uh, shout out to you again, because your name is Alex, and that's my name. It's a good name right there. <laughs> Am I right, guys? Oh, all right. Anyway, I interrupted myself. Uh, let me continue this email. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about being a professional drummer and how the business of music works for you. What, what, what does he say? What you look for in sessions, how to evaluate what you're worth, sponsor, sponsorships, etc. Uh, can't wait to hear the new Whitechapel stuff. I'm not sure if you do online lessons, but it'd be cool to get to pick your brain about some things I'm working on. Um, to all answer that first, I do do online lessons and I know I've gotten a lot of emails about it. I try to reply to all of them, but I don't always, I'm not going to lie to y'all. Um, I, I am going to start doing them more regularly again at some point soon. Um, probably very soon, but I, to be honest, guys, like I know, I, I think I said this in one of the, like maybe the very first episode of my podcast, I, I just never really liked doing lessons it's not you know and it's it's funny because when i am in the middle of them i i enjoy it like i don't hate every minute of it or anything like that but uh you know i never went into this industry to be uh, an educator at all and some people seem to really love it and seem to like be passionate about teaching and i just never really have been um I don't know. You know, I do think I've gotten better at it. When I, when I was a lot younger, it was like more of a confidence issue where I was like, I don't know what I, you know, I don't know how to do that, blah, blah, blah. But I eventually got over that and, you know, I do enjoy it. I probably should do it even more than I have been. But I guess for me personally, if I can manage to get by financially without doing them, I kind of opt to not do them. Um, I also personally, you know, and I, I guess some people might not agree with this and I totally understand why, but, uh, personally, I always kind of feel like, you know, part of the reason I made those instructional videos on my website that are in my web store and stuff, uh, is because it kind of just concretely breaks down topics and gives you all the information. And then what you do with the information is on you. And it's, it's kind of definitive and clear. Uh, and I feel like in my opinion, like something like that, like a pre-made video, to me personally, like if I was trying to learn something from someone and they were like, like say I was really interested in a specific drummer for a specific topic uh, and I knew that they had an hour long video about that topic, I would personally be more likely to buy that than to take a lesson with them because, you know, in a lesson, a lot of it's verbal and you can like, you know, they could say something to you, but then you can, you know, think you're going to retain it and then you don't though and you know, having something to be able to just jump back to all the time to me makes a lot of sense. Um, and I have, you know, I've sold a lot of those and I think people seem to like them. 
Um, I have plans to do more. Um, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But um, And so to me, doing those were like kind of a double whammy where I felt like it was almost a better, more reliable source of information. Um, and also it meant that I didn't have to teach all of it as much because then, uh, you know, if I got hit up and somebody was like, oh, I want to learn about X, Y, and Z, I can be like, oh, well, I have this pre-made instructional video you can purchase here. Now, the problem with that, obviously is that it becomes very impersonal. You know, a lot of people, the thing they enjoy about lessons is you get to have this dialogue with the other person. And I do totally get that. Like, that kind of thing can be uh, really important, you know? Like, I remember I took I took a lesson from George Coleus when I was, like, 15 when Niall played a show in Virginia. And if you don't know who Niall is, I forgive you, but you know, they're sick. <laughs> At least I thought they were hella sick back then. I mean, I still think they're sick. I just haven't kept up with them as much. But, um, you know, and for me, like, I couldn't even tell you what the hell uh, George Coleas taught me in that lesson. But I remember doing it just because I remember meeting him and, and talking to him, you know. Um, you know what I, I fun side story. I, I think I may have even told you all this. That's going to be the problem with my podcast is I'm going to forget what I've already said. And then I'm just going to end up repeating myself. I'm sure. But, uh, I just remember meeting George Coleas. My local band was opening this show. I was so stoked. We got this spot to open for Nile. It was like a tiny little club in Virginia called Jack's. Uh, it went on to become uh, a club called empire that I think was owned or operated by Outer Loop Management, which was a management company uh, that managed Good Tiger, actually, but they were based in Silver Spring. Um, but then eventually it just closed down entirely. But I grew up, you know, going to shows around that area. That area in Virginia is a little less than an hour from here. So I played a lot of local shows around there, stuff like that. Um, but I remember my local band played there. I had this huge, big, outrageous drum kit, double bass, uh, it was a Pearl Session SMX, uh, six-ply maple, and I definitely had like eight, 10, 12 rack toms, 14, 16 floor toms, and uh, two 22 by 18-inch bass drums, and it was in green burst, and uh, man, I love that kit. I never should have sold it. I sold it when I got my Pearl Masters Premium. Obviously, this is all long before I switched to Tama, but... Um, I still have the Pearl Masters Premium. I'll never sell it. It has sentimental value. But anyway, I digress, guys. Um, the one thing I found really interesting is that I played that show, had this lesson with George Coleas right before the show, and then years and years later, when we did Australia with Niall, I was uh, I was playing in the Faceless. We went to Australia. We were supporting Niall. And George got in the van. The promoter picked us up. And I didn't think I was going to get all giddy, but I totally did. Like, in my head, I was like, oh, it's kind of cool, you know, I'm going to talk to George Coleas, but, you know, I'm I'm older now, and I've toured and stuff, like, I'm not going to, like, fanboy. And then he got in the car and just immediately started talking to me, and I, in my head, I just went back to being a teenager. I was just like, oh, shit, it's George Coleas! You know, I got all excited. And this is the craziest shit, dude, and this meant so much to me. Uh, he remembered me from when I was fucking 15 with long hair. And I know he meant it because he cited specific things. And I couldn't believe this. Like, we're talking, I mean, not quite 10 years, but I did that Australia tour. My birthday was, uh, I remember the day I flew from Perth in Australia to, 
where did we play next? I think we went to Thailand from Perth. That day, the day we were flying was my birthday. I remember because Wes from The Faceless, uh, at the time anyway, Wes from The Faceless, uh, got me a chocolate muffin in the hotel lobby at Lobby Call at like 5 a.m. in Perth, Australia. So if Wes, if you ever hear this, that was real nice of you, dude. I appreciate it a lot. Um, but yeah, so I, I remember George, you know, he was like, oh yeah, I remember you. You know, he's he's Greek. He has an accent. I can't do that kind of accent. But uh, he was like, I remember you. You had the, the green pearl session kit. And I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, you know, I, I think I think it was my 23rd birthday. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that sounds right. Because I think the next birthday I had was... There was a period in there for like five or six years in a row I, I wasn't home for my birthday for any of them. I mean, I've only been home for my birthday once or twice in the last decade, but um, that one, was I 23? I must have been turning 23. I don't think I was 20. Was I turning 22? Holy shit, I can't remember. I think I was 21 when I first joined the Faceless. No, I must have been turning 23. That has to be it. Whatever. Either way... Um, man, it's weird how you can't remember things like that, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I was 23, let's say, and I took that lesson with him when I was 15. So I just couldn't believe he remembered me. And that meant the world to me. I don't know why it just was like, it made me think like maybe I left an impression or something. I don't know. Um, and man, I hung out with George on that whole trip. We did like four shows with them in Australia and we flew with them between every one of them. And, George would always sit next to me on the flights. Honestly, it was crazy because I was like, how that, like, we had like crazy early lobby calls, you know? Like, we would basically in Australia, you fly between all the places and the promoters have deals worked out with the airlines and you have to, like, uh, you know, so you, you play a show, right? And it's a normal show. It goes until late at night, like 11 or 12. You get back to a hotel lobby at like 12 31 or whatever if you're lucky. And then lobby calls at like 4 a.m. And you have to go back to the lobby, go back to the airport, and then fly to the next show, you know, that you're playing that day. So that whole trip, that whole Asia-Australia thing was one of the more exhausting things in my life. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Like, oh my God, I would love to. But it's very exhausting. But I always remember, like, I was, I, I'm a person that doesn't do super well on very little sleep. Well, I, I take that back. I do when I'm alone. <laughs> like if I'm at home, I can be like dead ass tired and, and like go play drums still and be productive. But if I have to like interact with people socially on that little sleep, I, I have, I have a hard time and I would just be on the, the plane. George would sit next to me and he would just start talking to me. He's like drinking coffees and, and it's like five or six in the morning and I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, how the hell, like, I feel like I'm dying. And he's just like going on about all kinds of shit. But I was trying to like, you know, maintain my enthusiasm because I was excited, but I was also fucking exhausted. So anyway, the point of that whole story is that, you know, sometimes doing a, a in-person lesson or at least a Skype lesson or something can la uh, can leave a lasting impression on, on a student or a person. And I totally get that. And, uh, you know, so I, I know that um, there are a lot of people out there that want to take them with me more, and I will start doing them again more regularly, at least Skype lessons, obviously, right now with 2020. 
um, which is primarily what I always did anyway. For a, for a while, I did a lot of them. Um, I was doing lessons very, very regularly. Um, but I haven't really needed to so much this year, so I kind of stopped. But uh, yes, Alex Kennedy, uh, we can do a Skype lesson sometime. Uh, realistically, I'm, I'm trying to kind of just get through uh, this month of... Uh, well, we were supposed to track the new Whitechapel album this month, and uh, we, we've we decided now that we're going to push it to... Well, the drums, I mean. They're already doing everything else, but we're pushing drums to December, early December. So, And that was their decision. I, I'm pretty much ready to go now, but uh, but since I have some unexpected time, I'm going to... I'm trying to get some more drum videos, some material prepared. I'll tell you guys about that later on. Um, so that's kind of what I'm trying to do this month. Also, right now, I'm very preoccupied because I'm looking for a house. Uh, but that I'll also tell you about. Let me continue with this email first because, holy shit, I have gone off topic. Um, what else did you say here? Good buddy, Alex Kennedy. Um, Alex Kennedy. Yahoo.com. Come on, dude. You got to get on Gmail. I'm just kidding. You can use yahoo.com if you want. I, I don't understand, though, how no one... I don't understand how anyone doesn't use Gmail. Like, it's sick. <laughs> I don't know. My Gmail game is strong, guys. I got all kinds of labels on there. Everything's color-coded. Like, yeah, shit's legit. Uh, anyway, what, what else did he say here? Oh, uh, he thanked me for how vocal I've been uh, on mental health and self self-care and yeah thanks thanks dude i appreciate that very much um if anyone out there hasn't seen it i did a, an episode of drumeo um that was primarily about mental health and in general i've just tried to be pretty vocal about it um i'll you know m most of kind of the backstory of you know things i've gone through and stuff is discussed in that drumeo uh, thing, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I try to be a big advocate of, of mental health stuff and, you know, going to a therapist, I've gone to a therapist on and off my whole life. Um, it really didn't, you know, really change me positively until I met the therapist that I see now when I was in my earlier twenties. And there've been periods where I go back for longer periods of time. And then I don't see him for a while until, you know, I feel like I need to, if it were up to me, I would go all the time. Like, I would just go every week, you know? Um, but unfortunately, and I mean, even, even if I didn't think I needed to, like, even if I felt good, I would still go. Cause there are always things that you can discuss with a therapist. And there are always things that are going to benefit you to get perspective on, even if they're not necessarily negative. Um, I, you know, I, I think every time I've ever gone to therapy for an extended period of time, Right before I stopped going, there's probably a few sessions, like the last few sessions, I probably didn't really need to go to, but I just did because I was in the habit of it, um, you know, and I still felt like I was getting perspective and useful information, even though I kind of felt better overall about whatever it was I had gone through or whatever. Um, but then eventually I kind of just have to stop because financially, uh, you know, my uh, therapist is not... Well, my health insurance sucks ass. I have like care first or something. I pay for it out of pocket because I'm self-employed. Uh, it's really cheap and not very good. It's basically only good if I get into like a catastrophic accident, you know, and even then my deductible is like $7,000 or something. Um, 
but that's really what it's good for is if I'm in a catastrophic accident where my medical bills would be like tens and tens of thousands of dollars, that's when it comes in handy, I guess. So, I mean, hopefully that never happens, but otherwise it's pretty useless. Um, and because of that, I try to avoid going to a doctor at all costs. Um, but yeah, what was I saying? Oh yeah, my, uh, you know, I guess it's pretty common for therapy to not be covered under a lot of insurance in America, but, uh, which I really wish would change. Um, but it's not there yet, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, because I pay for it out of pocket, I only go, you know, when I can because it's uh, it's pretty expensive per session. Um, I think I think mine's like 120 a session, which is a lot. I mean, my therapist is awesome, and that's the thing. Like, it's worth it to if you have a rapport with someone, if you get along with them. I highly recommend. Like, even if it seems expensive it's going to be better for you to go and talk with someone that you trust and enjoy talking with and, and actually want to be there to talk with. Um, then if you go to someone that maybe is in your insurance plan, uh, and isn't the, the right person for you. Um, anyway, I'm getting off topic or just ranting. Um, I'm probably always going to apologize for ranting. In fact, you know what? I just want to say something about that. So my mother raised me to have manners and I cuss like a sailor sometimes, but I've always been very polite and I like a lot of people have a habit of apologizing a lot uh, for a lot of different things for, for no reason really. And, and one of my pet peeves is when somebody says something and I kind of will casually be like, Oh, I'm sorry. And they're like, why? Why are you sorry? Stop saying sorry all the time. That, ugh, that gets under my skin so much when people say stop apologizing all the time. Here's why it gets under my skin. Because I've had this discussion with a number of people, and when I explain it to them, they're like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But when, when somebody says something like that, like, oh, I'm sorry, like, in that kind of a context, like, uh, context, when it's kind of like, like, obviously, if you're doing something that makes you an asshole or if you forget about something and you're like, Oh, I'm so sorry about that. That's kind of a more appropriate time. But if somebody's like, uh, I don't know, handing you a pencil and you drop it and then you pick it up and you're like, Oh, I'm sorry. Here you go. And then people are like, stop apologizing all the time. It's like to me, or you know what? Here's a better example. If you're texting with someone and then you get distracted or whatever, and you don't text them back right away. And then when you do text them back, I'll be like, sorry about that. I got distracted doing this, that, and the other. Um, but yes, and, you know, and then you continue the conversation. And then people will be like, don't apologize. Like, you apologize so much. And the thing is, guys, for anyone out there that has said that to someone else, what these people like myself and other people that say it in those contexts is trying to say is not that they're apologizing, not that they really feel bad and think that they've done something really wrong, but what it really is, and I don't know why it became this, is it's basically just like an acknowledgement. It's like a polite acknowledgement that like you didn't quite uh, do maybe what they were expecting, and it's kind of just almost like saying, oh, hey, uh, you know, you might have been expecting a text back right away. And then I didn't text back. So just so you know, I wasn't trying to be an asshole. I was just like doing stuff. 
uh, yeah. You know, it's like just a polite acknowledgement. Um, so it always would get really under my skin when somebody would be like, stop apologizing. It's like, yo, I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not like saying like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's not like that, you know? Um, but anyway, at the same time, I guess I can see contextually why some people might get annoyed at it. So maybe I should try to adjust my linguistics a bit. Is that the right phrasing of that? I don't know. Anyway, I digress yet again. Uh, I went very off topic there, but uh, what was I even fucking... What was I saying? Oh, mental health. Yeah, uh, I try to be very vocal about that stuff. And I'm glad that uh, some of the stuff I've talked about has helped you, dude. Um, we're all here together on this planet, and we all are going to go through shit at a, ver a variety of times in our lives. Um, you know, I think most people... Uh, will go through at least one, if not several, very traumatic periods in their lives. So I think it's important that we talk about these things. I think if you don't talk about them and you just bury stuff, uh, that's the shit that can lead to some, you know, really bad stuff, you know? And uh, yeah, man. So I'm glad it meant a lot to you. Uh, I'm wondering if you could, this is the email. I'm still just reading this guy's email. <laughs> I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about being a professional drummer and how the business of music works for you. What are your, what does it look for sessions? Evaluate your worth. Uh, these are all really good questions. Um, so ooh, I don't even know where to begin with that one. Being a professional drummer is, I guess, kind of different in the eyes of everyone. I think there are people out there that uh, look at someone like me and just assume that I've like made it, that I'm like living this dream and that I, you know, I definitely have had people think that I'm like really wealthy and stuff. And it's like, yo, <laughs> like, no, you know, I mean, I, I'm not like poor living on the street, although I, I might be if I didn't have the support of my mother, you know, for a very long time in my life. But, um, you know, I, I'm not rich and, and I guess it, it all comes down to like what you define as success in that sense. Like to me, success isn't just being rich. There's a lot more to success than that. But, uh, uh, for me su personally, success is, you know, doing something creative or otherwise that I feel good about representing, you know, something I'm proud to, to say I did and put my name on it and, you know, have it kind of be a piece of my own history, you know, and yeah, something, yeah, music, you know. Um, but back more to your point or your question, um, being a professional drummer, it took me a very, very, very long time to get to a point where I could make any money doing it. Um, and frankly, it's been very frustrating this year because, you know, 2018 and 2019 were really the first years that I felt like I was actually like, oh man, I'm doing all right now, you know? Like, it still wasn't phenomenal, but I was making like more than, I think in 2018, I made almost $30,000 in a year, which like, to me was mind blowing. <laughs> like, like that's not, relatively speaking, to like the average income of an American, like, uh, in, middle class, I guess that's not a lot of money, but, uh, it's also not like 
absolutely nothing either, you know? So it's, it was like the first year where I was like, holy shit, like, I think I'm starting to get there. And then boom, 2020 hit. And, uh, so that's been really frustrating, but assuming, you know, I can get back to, to things like, all I can say, man, is that like, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I definitely had opportunities to make more money at a younger age. And I turned down opportunities because they weren't what I wanted to do. Um, some of them I, I can't talk about. Like one thing in, in particular, I I think I signed a non-disclosure agreement. Is that what it's called? Um, but yeah, I ended up turning that gig down, which may have been a mistake. But, you know, I mean, now I don't think of it as a mistake. But um, at the time, I definitely wondered after, was that the right move? Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. <laughs> Um, you have to really love drums to make this work as a career. Um, there are undoubtedly a lot of different avenues you can take and different ways you can, uh, have an income. Uh, for me personally, I've really wanted to, uh, make a pretty decent chunk of my income, uh, from being a performer, you know, meaning on tour. And that was really one of the issues I ran into with Good Tiger towards the end is it didn't grow like we had really hoped it would. Everyone else was kind of okay with that because they all had other sources of income um, or they just like had situations where they didn't need to have a ton of income. And uh, so like when things didn't grow, like we had kind of planned on trying to make it grow it got to a point where everyone else was like oh well that's okay we will still do it and have fun and to me i was like well wait a minute like i turned down paying gigs to do this and uh that's you know really a, a big reason why i made the decision i made in the end to leave and, and do something else um but you know i i historically have always tried to do what i uh believe in musically first and foremost. Um, but then of course, like in that situation, it also has gotten to a point where I'm in my late twenties now and I have to make a living. I have to survive. So I, uh, you know, have always kind of continually tried to find this balance of like doing something that I feel good about, but can still make a living off of. And, uh, Whitechapel is definitely a band like that for me where, yeah, sure, there might be gigs out there that would pay me a whole lot more than Whitechapel, but I make okay money with Whitechapel, and I really like the music and the guys, and to me, that's, like, way more important. And uh, so that's that's another thing is, like, you know, figuring out the balance there and what you want to do. Um, there are definitely gigs that pay more, but, you know, they might not be as fulfilling. Um, so that's something you have to kind of keep in perspective without a doubt. Um, you know, I, I really put all my eggs in that basket of being a performer. Like I worked my whole life to try and get good at performing. So, you know, to me, like that's really, and in the end it was kind of like, well, okay, I have to leave good tiger and try to find something else because like, this is all like, this is what I have been working to do is to be a performer. So, and then with that, um, you know, there are tons of other things you can do, uh, like teach, for example, you know, doing lessons and that kind of thing can be an incredibly lucrative amount of, uh, income. Like I know guys on tour that would do group lessons on tour, like a two hour group lesson, or sometimes only an hour and, and charge 10 kids, you know, 
$70 each or something. So like, what is that? Like $700, you know, like, uh, like for doing one hour's worth of work, $700, you know, and they would do that every day. And I'm not naming names or anything. And if they want to do that, that's fine. But I always felt like, well, that seems kind of impersonal and not cool to me. And I guess I always had too much pride to try and do something like that. But uh, at the end of the day, though, like, I bet if you asked any of those kids, you know, what they thought of the experience, they would think it was $70 well spent. So who's to say? Um, but yeah, I mean, teaching can be a huge source of income as well. Basically, my, my best recommendation for being a professional drummer in the modern day would be to first, you know, decide what that means to you. Um, figure out what your values are and what you want to define as successful because everyone's idea of success is very different. Uh, and then, it, you know, if your uh, goals in terms of successful and being professional are sort of in line with what mine are, I would say that the next thing to kind of keep in mind is unless you get a really, really big gig that pays like a thousand a night or something, like, to make this career work, you basically just have to have your hands in a lot of different smaller sources of income that kind of add up to equal a decent income. For example, you know, in 2018 and 2019, I do Whitechapel touring that makes, that made me a good chunk of money. I also did a couple session jobs in there. Um, that was a good source of money. And then I did lessons periodically. I sold uh, instructional things. That was a huge income source in 2018 and 2019 for me was the sale of my instructional videos. Um, I would say actually, to be completely honest, that was my main source. I think I made more doing that than I did touring with Whitechapel um, just from sales online. So big thanks to all you guys that have bought like my foot endurance exercise and all that because you know, that, that honestly has been a very big source of income. I mean, there would be a couple times, there would be one, a one week period where I'd make over a thousand dollars, you know, selling instructional videos that I made. So, um, you know, and there's actually one in there that I, I had no idea would do as well. Uh, that little transcription for the record guys, you know, normally I don't share financial things. Cause I guess I was kind of raised to always think that that was kind of rude to do. But at the same time, I know there are a lot of younger people out there, uh, like this gentleman, Alex Kennedy that, uh, have genuine questions where they want to do something like this with their life and they don't know where to get started. So, um, anyway, yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm kind of like giving you guys some more personal information that typically I don't really like to share, but, um, one thing that did really well in my web store that I really had no idea would do well is uh, this transcription bundle that I sell. It's I basically was just like, I'll compile every transcription I ever made and sell it for like $5, you know? And I did that really because I don't, a lot of people don't know this. I kind of learned this when I looked into it for doing transcription books for other albums that I've played on, but drum notation is not covered under copyright the same way as like, uh, like guitars and vocals are. So like technically, legally, I could make a transcription book for a band, like a drum transcription book and just sell it and like get away with it. 
uh, again, no having pride, I don't feel right selling other people's ideas, even if I did transcribe them, you know, I don't feel right doing that. So I was like, okay, well, instead of trying to make like some big profit from this, I'll just put like over a hundred transcription files into one folder and sell that for like five bucks, like basically next to nothing. And I thought, ah, you know, maybe that'll be like a random hundred bucks over the course of the next couple months or whatever that I make. That's an extra little source of income. And much to my surprise, it did way better than that. I think in total, I, I'm not actually sure the total, but last time I checked, uh, from selling that one thing for like five ninety nine on my web store, I've made like I think almost two grand or something over the course of the last like four or four or five years. Um, and so that that also has been a very big income source for me. Um, like not just that, but my website sales in general. Um, so like, yeah, guys, for real, I, I, I don't know if I could have really survived at different times in the last couple of years without that. So thank you. If you've ever purchased anything from my web store, it does not go unnoticed or underappreciated. So, um, but then in addition to that kind of thing, um, there's all kinds of little stuff like, you know, royalty payments from albums and stuff are not like what they were probably 30 or 40 years ago. But, uh, when I, I, I'd say like twice a year I get like a hundred bucks or something from BMI, like royalty payments from people streaming music and that kind of thing. And then every month or two I make like, I don't know, a hundred or a couple hundred bucks off YouTube, something like that. That is all kind of sporadic and inconsistent though, because it all varies on how much I post and that sort of thing. Also, anyone that's ever posted a YouTube drum cover will tell you if you have your YouTube account set up to monetize you can't always monetize your videos. They have to be like original content. So there are plenty of videos that I've done and posted uh, that are not monetizable, you know, and if I try to monetize them, it just gets rejected, you know, because I don't own the rights to the music. Um, so sometimes even if I do post a lot, I still don't make any uh, ad revenue from that. So it's not like a reliable or even large source of income, you know, at all. I mean, maybe if I had like millions of subscribers and stuff, um, it would be better, but I don't. And, uh, you know, again, like I've always just tried to do what I liked and, and hopefully people take an interest. So it's taken me a long time to kind of keep those like ideals in place and also make any money to speak of, but uh, you know, and up until 2020, it was starting to get there. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of little things like that. There are things that this is going to sound crazy, but there are things that I like forget about and then I get paid for it and I'm like, Oh shit. All right. Um, like I got a royalty payment at some point in the last year from, uh, GGD cause I did, uh, a groove pack for them. And that was our deal for that was based off of like a percentage of sales and and that's the thing guys it's like you just have to be careful if you're trying to be a professional musician because there are going to be months um again unless you get like a super huge gig but there are going to be months where uh, you might make really good money and you're like oh shit i'm killing it but then there are going to be months where you don't so you have to save and plan ahead and try to just you know take advantage of any income source you can no matter how small um, that's not to say you should take advantage of people. Don't do that, but just, you know, be smart and try to capitalize on things where you can 
not because you are looking to take advantage of anyone, but just because you're, you know, trying to survive. And, uh, you know, so that would be my two cents, uh, Mr. Alex Kennedy, email gentleman. Um, man, I'm never going to be able to get through email questions if I spend this much time on one goddamn email, but, um, I'm trying to give you, you know, useful information. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's also a brutal business for the record. Um, the music industry is brutal. Uh, no doubt about it. Make sure you're protected. Don't sign contracts without having a lawyer look over it, you know? Um, and to further, you know, everything you else or everything you asked there, um, what do you look for in sessions that can also vary? It's really all situational, man. Like my session rates vary. It depends on the material level of difficulty, amount of material, like, you know, consider this for a minute. Like if, if somebody asks me to do a session job where, you know, they only want me to do one song and I'm recording it from my home, which I have to also engineer the whole thing. You know, that means I have to mic everything up, tune everything, you know, get all the drum sounds, track the whole thing, comp the whole thing. If they want editing done, edit the whole thing. You know, that's a lot of work to engineer the whole thing on my own as well is a lot of work. There are people that literally get paid to be engineers. So doing it yourself is a lot of work. And, uh, you know, I do kind of account for that in the price sometimes. Um, but if somebody wants me to do all that for just doing one song, it's hardly worth it. Whereas if they say, oh yeah, I want you to do six songs, then it's kind of like, oh, okay, well that is more justifiable. You know, I can kind of get more, uh, bang for my buck, so to speak, you know, in terms of like, you know, having to sit down and, and prep all that to do an actual recording. Um, so it really completely all depends. Um, and the other part of that question, um, I don't, I know that might be a vague answer for that last question, but it's the truth, you know, it just depends. Um, in terms of what I look for musically, it also depends, you know, like if it's something I really don't like music or don't think I'd feel good about representing, then I won't do it. Um, or if, if they don't even necessarily want to use my name, you know, then sure I'll do it. Um, I have done a couple session jobs like that. There are albums I've done that people don't even know I've played on and, uh, I'm fine with that. I mean, at that point it really is just a job. And that's another thing while I'm at it guys. Um, this is really important actually. I'm glad that this just crossed my mind, but if you are looking to do drums or any kind of creative thing as your career, what you need to prepare yourself for is that if you really want to thrive in the field, whatever it is, you are not always going to enjoy doing it. There is like this misconception of like, oh man, you're a professional drummer, man, your life must be awesome. Granted, my life is pretty awesome. And like, I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying like, oh man, my life is so hard, like nothing like that. But what I'm saying is like any job, there are still plenty of days where I have to practice and, and do something, whether it's learn something or, you know, for a gig or a session or preparing for a tour or whatever. And I really don't feel like doing it. Like there are plenty of times where that happens. And that is a really weird thing in and of itself, because then it's like this thing that when I was younger was purely a passion. Now, for whatever reason, I have like 
almost like a weird resentment for it at times where I, you know, I don't really feel like doing it, but I have to, cause it's also my job. And that's really weird. Um, that's a weird thing to face, you know? And there were times where I was a little bit younger where I was like, is this a problem? Like, and as I've gotten a little bit older now, I'm, I've realized it's not, it's just that like, with any job you have, there are going to be days where you don't feel like doing it, but you still have to wake up and go to your nine to five job if that's what you do and and you have to do it, you know? So that's just part of being an adult and taking care of whatever your job is and your responsibilities. Um, so there, yeah, sure. Our days where I don't feel like doing stuff, uh, but I have to do it anyway. But what I've gotten in the habit of doing is, uh, on those types of days, it's really a matter of perspective where, I just have to kind of say to myself, like, you know what? I do not feel like doing this today, but shit, it sure is hell beats, you know, sitting in like a cubicle and doing a nine to five thing. And that's what I'd be doing otherwise, probably, you know, I mean, I don't know what I'd be doing, but in other words, you know, kind of having to keep some perspective and remind yourself that like, whatever you're feeling, it's not that bad. And, um, but you know, just to warn you all, like, it's not all fun and games all the time. I bust my ass constantly and, uh, literally. And I, I just, it takes a lot of work. And I think to maintain that kind of work, oftentimes I think in creative fields, uh, people have to work even harder, um, because it is kind of like every man for themselves and it's a very tough industry and there's always competition and it's all very subjective anyway. Like any creative work is subjective <laughs> in terms of who's going to like it and who's not. So it's, it's a difficult career and you have to really love it. Otherwise I think it'll burn you out, uh, eventually one way or another, whether it's sooner or later, um, because there are going to be times where you question it or you think, Oh, I don't feel like doing this. But if you really want to be successful, you know, even on some of those days, you know, where you don't feel like doing it, you got to do it, whatever it is. Um, that's important, I think, personally. Um, but just so you all know, you know, there are for sure days that I don't feel like practicing or doing music related work, and I do it anyway. Um, that said, I think it's important to take a break sometimes. And I am also really bad about that. Uh, but I, I probably should take more days off than I do. Um, sometimes I get in a rut where like, I'll have a couple not as productive or days that feel not as productive, um, in a row. And then I end up taking a day off. And when I come back to it, I actually am more productive, you know, um, man, if I had a nickel for every time that happened. So that can be really important. It is important to try and like learn your, uh, uh, limitations, I guess, and know that like, sometimes you do need to take a step back. Um, at the same time though, I always think about something Craig Reynolds, my, my buddy said to me, uh, where we were talking about weightlifting and he was kind of hurt or something. And I think he said like, Oh, you know, train through the pain. And, and that's kind of like my approach with drums is sometimes I'm like, even if I don't feel like doing this, I'm just going to do it because it'll make the times that I do want to do it that much better because I'll be even more practiced and more rehearsed, you know? Um, I'm not sure that's a good mentality to have though, you know, so don't quote me on it, but, but yeah. So, um, what the hell was I trying to say? Yeah. In other words, you know, even when you, for me personally, even when there are days where I don't want to do it, I still keep in perspective that it's way better than anything else I could be doing. Um, and yeah, 
Another thing, though, in the weeks leading up to a tour, I will oftentimes not take any days off on purpose. Even if there's a day where I slept like shit, really don't feel like drumming, and I just don't feel good, I will force myself, without a doubt, to play through at least the set list that I'll be playing on the upcoming tour. And I do that on purpose because, without a doubt, there are going to be days on tour where I don't get good sleep. But on tour, you fucking have to perform. You have no choice. You have to show up and like do a good job. So I definitely, before a tour, I will force myself to practice no matter what. Um, just you know to make sure I'm kind of conditioned for that environment and uh, being able to kind of do it under any circumstance. So those are just, I guess, side notes. Um, the last part of this email, the gentleman asked me, how do you evaluate your worth? That's also a, a difficult thing. Um, you know, I do think there's a period when you're you know, newer in the industry where it doesn't hurt to like take on work that might be more work than it's worth. But like, if it has a good look for your uh, resume, so to speak, then, you know, it might be worthwhile. Um, I mean, there are things that I do even now where, uh, you know, they didn't make me money, but like, I just wanted to do them. Now, if it's something you really don't want to do, but it pays really well, or, well, no, I guess that kind of goes against what you're asking. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like you, it's one of those things you kind of have to feel out for yourself. It's all relative to like what your values and goals are. Um, I think it can be important to do things sometimes that maybe don't pay as well, but they are a good reflection on you and might even be a good name recognition kind of thing. But, um, at the same time, like I do think it's important to know your worth and, you know, hold yourself to that, uh, for sure. And, uh, there, there have also been times in my career now, this really hasn't happened until the last like five years where I got asked about doing something. I was really busy with a number of other things. Um, and it didn't pay, as well as I thought. And I just kind of had to weigh it out on my own be like, yeah, this is cool. And it's an honor and flattering to be asked to do it, but I can't do it. Like, you know, it just isn't worth the time to money ratio paired with everything else isn't worth it. And it took me a long time to get to a point where I could make that decision confidently. Um, it can still be hard. So just know that like, it's all, uh, going to be relative to your own situation and that if you're ever in a situation where you're trying to decide like what you should do in terms of like how much work you have to put into something versus how much you're making, you know, you're not alone in that. I think that that's always going to be somewhat of a struggle. I mean, sure, you can get successful enough where you can just be like, you know, oh yeah, this is my rate and if you can't meet it, I don't give a shit. But I guarantee you, even artists that you know, kind of come off that way. There are certain bands that for those artists, if they got asked to play for that one band that was like their favorite band growing up or whatever, they would do it regardless of the pay. So you kind of have to weigh it out in terms of what your values are. Uh, and lastly, you asked about sponsorships. Um, yeah, man, endorsements, sponsorships, whatever you want to call them, uh, can be really good. My biggest recommendation would be do not get an endorsement unless you actually like the company. Um, don't even try for a company. Like even if, you know, like for 
example, like when I was really young, uh, I did not, you know, if you look at my oldest videos on my YouTube channel, I had Sabian symbols, not Minel symbols, but I never once, I swear to Christ, I never once tried to get a Sabian endorsement and I didn't even want to. I literally went after Minel because I saw something in Minel at a very young age around that time. All of a sudden, it seemed like all these dudes, these metal guys, were playing Minel. And what that told me was that they were a company that valued that kind of an artist. They put a value on that kind of an artist. And I was like, I had heard some of how other artists talked about the company. And I was like, yo, that company sounds like a family kind of vibe. They make dope shit. That's the kind of company I want to be with. A company that respects their artists, respects their uh, customers you know, treats everyone like family. And that's the only company I tried to get an endorsement from for symbols. And I, uh, I did like the old school thing for a while. Like, um, I had these like fucking cheesy ass pictures taken of me that I had laminated like at Staples and I filled out a press kit and I put in CDs and I sent literally physical envelopes that were full of shit. Um, I did that two or three times to Chris Brewer at Minel. And then, uh, I also would email him probably annoyed the shit out of him. I mean, I think it's important to, you know, if you're really interested in working with a company for starters, you know, you have to have, you got to have something, you know, you got to be active online or touring in a band, you know, don't just expect to get an endorsement, you know, unless you have something going on. Um, you know, unless, I mean, there are people arguably too, that are just so virtuistically, is that a word? Virtuistically? you know, such virtuosos that it doesn't matter, you know, um, they're just going to get gear because the company sees how good they are and how good they're going to become. But, you know, um, also all my endorsement deals are different. Uh, you know, like some of them, I get things at no charge. Some of them I don't, it's not always consistent. I, uh, will oftentimes always offer to pay for stuff. Um, you know, basically the way I approach it is not like trying to get free stuff. You know, that's just not what it's about. Like, uh, at the end of the day, if any of the companies that I endorse asked me to buy something, if I could afford it, you know, assuming I can afford it, I would buy it because they're the companies I want to play anyway. And then if they want to comp it for me, awesome, you know, had to cough. It's so funny, man. Every time I do this podcast, like my throat starts to get tickly around this amount of time because I've basically been talking for an hour straight now. And <laughs> in an hour, in an average week, I never talk that much. <laughs> God damn. Uh, anyway, my point being is that like, you know, only endorse officially the brands that you actually you know, would be willing to pay for otherwise. And if you try to go after those companies and you can't get them to pay attention to you, don't just give up and go to another company that'll give you an endorsement, like hold out, you know, just say, okay, well, that's fine. I'll keep playing their shit. And, uh, you know, hopefully eventually they'll give me an endorsement. And if you're active, if you're a working musician, you know, eventually they probably will. And, uh, you just got to be patient and companies like to see that kind of thing, that kind of loyalty, you know, um, I think that can be a really good thing. Also keep in mind that with any endorsement, um, there's a reason why the guys that work at those companies are called, uh, the artist reps, the AR reps. Um, 
or artist relations, I think is what it actually is. But, you know, the reason for that is that you literally have to develop a relationship with these people. Like, <clears throat> you know, it's like, I do have a couple reps where like, it's a lot more surface level, you know, like we just kind of like talk here and there via email or whatever. But uh, for the most part, I try to make it, you know, a real connection. Like, I mean, dude, I legit could call Chris Brewer at Minor Symbols tomorrow and like be like, Chris, I'm having a really hard time, man. Like, I don't know. I, I could call him if like a girl broke up with me and I was heartbroken. Like, I'll put it that way. He's that kind of friend to me now. And he would talk to me, you know, he'd help me. Um, and I'd say, you know, all the companies that I have the best relationships with are companies like that, you know? Um, yeah. Like, that's why I was so stoked. Um, so a rep that I really loved dearly, Aaron Vishria, he was my rep at Tama and he left Tama and started working at Evans. And when that first happened, I was like, Oh no. Um, and thankfully the rep that took his place, who was his assistant at the time, Sam Gamble is also awesome. And I have a great relationship with him now. Um, and I was so excited when I made the switch to Evans, that 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 also meant that I was going to get to work with Aaron again, um, just because he's a great dude and I like him a lot. So that's another thing to keep in mind with sponsorships is like I, I would just only go for the ones that you actually believe in, and if you can't get them at the speed you want to get them, don't give up. You know, just keep repping their stuff. Um, and yeah, I'd say that about sums up your email. I sure fucking managed to stretch that out for a goddamn hour. Um, I guess that's honestly long enough for this episode. But uh, if any of y'all have questions about whatever, you know, feel free to shoot me an email at alexrudinger at gmail.com. If you don't have yourself a Gmail account, I highly recommend getting one, y'all, because Gmail is the shit. And, uh, you know, I think if anything, Alex Kennedy, that's what you should take away from this is that... You have a Yahoo account right now, and I really think you should get off that shit and get a goddamn Gmail account. Am I right? Uh, I'm just kidding, dude. If you want to use Yahoo, that's okay. Um, what else do I have going on? Oh, yeah, I was going to mention some other shit. I got a... Uh... <coughs> I swear. God damn. Talking for an hour straight when you're an introverted person that spends most of his time alone. It's going to take some getting used to, let me tell y'all. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Yeah, I'm working on some new shit I want to try to record some drum videos for. Uh, there's an Intronaut song from this album I did a while back that I want to do a drum video for. Uh, that I'd wanted to do for a while, I just hadn't had time. Um, and I'm also planning to do this cover. I, I've been planning to do this forever, and then I just kept putting it off or didn't have time. Um, but I'm going to do <clears throat> uh, a song called Nil by Mouth uh, by Hawken. Um, and it's a fucking awesome song. And I've been working on that. I'm hoping to have it learned in the next day or two so I can record it sometime soon. But yeah, you know, I was, I was a little bit bummed actually when the Chapel guys weren't uh, ready to do the drums for the new album. Uh, they, they've been basically just like taking a little bit longer with some other stuff so we pushed back doing the drums because we're doing that last um and i was kind of at first i was like ah damn because i was like i'm kind of ready to go on that stuff now I, I can't wait to record it 
But at the same time, um, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just kind of switching gears, and it'll just mean that I'm even more prepared by the time I go in there. And uh, <clears throat> in the meantime, I'm going to try to get some new drum videos recorded because uh, I've been kind of just not doing that lately. Well, not not doing it. I just had other stuff going on. and Yeah, so uh, there's a couple others too. Um, and then I have one that I really want to do, but it's going to take me a while to learn that entire composition probably going to wait to do that one until after the white chapel album i have a bunch of plans for after the white chapel album but because in my head i like build up an album recording to like being this big deal where like i don't know i like it's got to be real sick and all my energy has to be put into it otherwise it's not going to be sick you know that's how i approach doing albums so oftentimes in like the entire month leading up to doing an album that's like all i'm thinking about i'm trying to get better at like uh, you know, keeping that in perspective a little bit more because while I do think that that can be a good thing to get that intense over it, like I don't think I need to, and I can still get the same results. So I'm trying to like chill the fuck out. God damn. I'm so not a chill person. I mean, I'm chill to like talk to most of the time. Although now that I think that actually, maybe not, I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm all over the place, but like, I don't know. I'm a lunatic. I wear it proudly at this point, but, uh, yeah, you know, I'm trying to chill out more and more. Maybe by the time I'm 60, I'll be able to chill out if I even make it that long. I guess, you know, first, first things first, guys, we got to make it through the next few days. Am I right? <laughs> hey, oh, oh man. With that in mind, holy shit. It's almost three in the morning. Uh, this is my favorite time of night to do this though. I don't know why. I, I have not, I, I stay up this late like every night, guys. And there are some days where I get up at like, <laughs> I get up at like 8.30 or something. And like, that's early for me. Normally I'm asleep more to like 9.30 or 10 at least. Um, I try not to sleep much later than that, though. I, I hate sleeping until midday. It makes me feel like I waste the whole day. But at the same time, I'm so goddamn stubborn. I don't go to bed earlier, but... I do this thing where like for like a week in a row, I get like not enough sleep and I'm like not having as productive of days. They're still okay, but I feel like I'm like not quite with it, you know? And then I have one day where I, I get the proper amount of sleep. Like I get eight hours of sleep and the next day I'm like feeling it, you know? And I'm like, oh shit, that's right. Sleep's important. And then it just resets. Like I do it again. It's like, I'm such a dumbass. I can't manage to like realize, hey, you dumbass, if you just fucking got that much sleep every day, you'd probably feel better all the time. But there's that stubbornness again. Who knows? Maybe some days, guy. Someday. Someday, guys. That's what I'm trying to say. Maybe someday. Uh, I do find in general, anytime I've ever been in a relationship, I seem to uh, uh, get on a better schedule. But when left to my own devices, here I am, three in the morning, recording an episode of a podcast. And with that, guys, I think that's a pretty good stopping place. Um, if you did not turn in your uh, early vote ballot or if you did not uh, mail it in or, or drop it already, tomorrow, a.k.a. later today, hours from now, is the 2020 presidential election of the United States. And if you have not done so, if you assuming you are registered, Go and vote. Even if you think it's not going to matter, just go vote. 
goddamn, this is a very important election. It it very well may go down as like the most important election in American history. So go vote, stay safe out there, and hopefully, uh, hopefully shit gets better in the next couple weeks. We'll see. We'll see what happens, y'all. All right, y'all take care, and I will catch you next time. I hope some of that information uh, was helpful, Mr. Alex Kennedy. Uh, and in general, maybe the rest of you got something from it. Uh, hit me up with emails if you ever want to hear me rant about some other random shit, and I'll surely go through them. All right, guys, see ya. <laughs>